Before we kick this show off, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Under Pressure Outdoors is brought to you in part by Hasmore Outdoor Products. Hasmore Outdoor Products manufactures quality replacement seats for a multitude of climber brands as well as a host of other products built with the hunter in mind. Take it from us. Your butt will thank you and you'll be able to spend more hours in your stand. Hop over to their website by clicking on the link in the podcast description and order the tree stand trick out kit for your stand today and you'll have everything you need to hunt longer and harder. Make sure you use code UPO15 at checkout to get 15% off your next order. I'm your host, Will Krebs, and this is the Under Pressure Outdoors Podcast. I like sitting in dang hardwoods where you can see a long ways. Like what we sat in in Tennessee. We were sitting in that hardwood bottom where you, like, shoot. One morning I went out there, and I could have swore I could only see 60 yards. And it got daylight, and I could probably see 250 yards. I didn't have anything like that the whole time we were up there. But anyway, let's do a podcast. see. We've been recording for a few minutes. we got to work on that cold open. Yeah. I didn't know we was recording. I know that. Warm me. <laughs> no, that's no, what he said. The cold open. We work on the cold open. Might say some stuff that ain't supposed to be on the air. That's fine. I don't <laughs> have to publish oh, it. Edit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, Briar was making fun of my smearing off there, but I keep these bad boys in the fridge because them screwdrivers are fine and dandy for a good hungover morning. <laughs> that's every morning. Don't, don't feel. Know. Yeah. Don't feel like drinking a beer. Screwdriver. Have a crappy orange juice. Exactly. <laughs> but it's got alcohol in it, so it cures that hangover. You know what's also good for a hangover? Just don't drink enough of that before you get a hangover. Yeah. Or water. Yeah, drink kinda, enough water. Kind of fun as that. Look, if Jordan wants to drink water, he'd just drink Bud Light, okay? You know, no, that, if I wanted to drink sugar water, I'd drink Bud Light. Oh man, talking about shit. those mai tais I made. Damn, you made mai tais, dude. I, I bought a dang. Sorry, Jim. You you want to finish yours? Yeah, I even put the recipe out on the Pressure Outdoors <laughs> Nation yeah. site. I totally missed it. I seen it. With seen it. The ceviche. They, they look good. Mm, I didn't catch the whole recipe with the. With the uh, how was the ceviche? Oh, fantastic. We uh we fried ours up, uh, and I used that Everglades. Ooh. Fish fry that was left in the studio. Can't remember who brought it in. Jake uh, Bigby. Jake yeah, Bigby. Jake Bigby. Yep. Yeah, I but I fried so. it up in that, and it was mm, stellar. Uh, and I have some left over that I vacuum sealed, <clears throat> and I refroze. Because uh, I figured if you could make frozen fish sticks, you could make frozen fish. I'm going to yeah. throw it in the air fryer and make some fish tacos out of it. Ooh, that You'll good. be fine. Yeah. yeah. We ate it all. We had, we had fish three days in a row. I um, had those two whole ones. My wife and I ate those the day I came home. And then yeah. I made... A whole bunch of ceviche. And Mine's still in Last my night we fried it up, and that was it. It's all gone. So how was the uh, how was the whole fish? How'd you do that? Real simple, man. Um, it was nice we had Adam there, and I was uh, 
Adam came back up? No, when we were at the dock. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Right? And Adam, I handed him my knife and I said, Rental on the knife since you got to uh, scam me to it and fish, right? So, to clarify, we're talking about Adam Berkman's yes, the Intrepid Eater. He went out on a fishing trip with us uh, last weekend. Yeah, man. And we had a snapper slam. Crushed him. Only boat on the reef. Yeah. Because well, only now, one dumb enough to go on four foot seas in a 25 foot boat. <laughs> Let me tell you. Dude, it really wasn't there. bad. Looked at Adam. He's like, you know, I'll, I'll make them however way you want them. And then uh, he's like, yeah, just gut it and scale. And Murray looked at him like he was nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and then the best part of that was he was like, yeah, you can barbecue them. And Murray was like, what? 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 Like trying to figure out what this Canadian guy is talking about. And I'm like, whoa, I whoa, whoa. I can't believe Murray didn't eat. He's like, you do it head on? I'm like, doesn't everybody? I, mean, I don't know, but. And, That's what we did. And uh, I looked at Murray, and I'm like, look, man, your barbecue and his barbecue, two different things. So back to how you prepared that whole fish with the with the skin on and everything. Oh, well, I had um, – I forget why I had a bunch of fresh basil. I did something else, French ba- fresh basil. Um, but I stuffed – I had a bunch of limes because I brought Corona to the trip. <laughs> so I sliced up a couple limes. Um and then stuff the cavity with a little seasoning. Um, I think I just used Zatarans, believe it or not. I don't know where that came from, but threw little Zatarans in there, stuffed the cavity with fresh basil and the limes, cut, slashed the side of the fish three or four times to open it up a little bit, rub some seasonings and some olive oil and seasoning in there, and uh, just baked it for... 20 minutes, I think, at 350, 400. I can't remember what temperature I used. And just let it run until the eyeballs were white and the juices ran clear and declared it done. And it was fall off the bone tender, right? So you, you open it up and you can get your fork in there. You pretty much lift one half off one side of the rib cage, eat that, flip the fish over, lift the other half off the other side of the rib cage, which I have looks like the Tom, Tom and Jerry fish. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And <laughs> just just a head and tail and, and that so was you it. don't eat any of the head. Oh no, yeah, there was hardly anything left in the head. Man, I ate that sucker right down to the collar. Nice. I mean, I didn't try to get into the cheeks because the cheeks and I think probably not. I was gonna say no. Adam was talking about like using eyeballs and everything, and I was like, it's a bit much. Making yeah, fish. that sounds you know. Oh, he was talking about making fish stock with the head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, put it this way, the. Interesting about the fish eye, <clears throat> they're two independent eyes. They're actually connected in the middle. Like when you, cause they, I mean, I really got into got all the meat out of it that I could. Well, when the the eyes cooked, but when they fell out of the skull, they're connected. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was kind of interesting. And that was in a, uh, um, well, you got to think. Vermilion snapper. It's not too crazy to think. I mean, their their brains are probably smaller than their eyeballs. Yeah. Yeah. You know, think of how big their eyeballs are. Yeah, it's a good so, point. I mean, they, they got to be connected. Probably easier to run one 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 wire instead of two. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how fish see, but I, I, I did think that was interesting that it, although it's two eyeballs, they're they're kind of like they're joined in the middle like Siamese twins, I guess. And yeah. I really don't know where the optic nerve goes. So we we brought all ours home and, and Sunday night Amanda fried them up and they were just 
delicious. I ate too much. <laughs> I ate way too much. And the kids devoured it. And I'm really looking forward to those tacos. Amanda says she's got a really good uh, coleslaw recipe she wants to try on it. Mm. So reheat them in the uh, air fryer and then throw them on some soft shells with some coleslaw, like some Caribbean. I've never been a fan of coleslaw. But <clears throat> traditionally, in, in like a fish taco, you would use like a red cabbage coleslaw yeah. or something like that. You know what's fantastic? Uh, of course, I, all kinds of coleslaw recipes. Get some uh, mandarin oranges. Yeah. Or even the, the ones that are in the cans or in the sweet juice. Yeah. Little clementine oranges. And dice those up and throw those in your coleslaw and then throw that on your taco. I bet that is sweet. Good. Boom. Yeah. The lime juice, sweet and savory, <laughs> sweet and sour. You know, my mother-in-law is, uh, she loves Mexican food, but she's convinced that they don't eat fish tacos in Mexico. Like it's a narrow country with an ocean on both sides. How could yeah. they not eat fish tacos? I don't know, man. Um, when I was in Mexico, I used to love going in the streets where you got an old lady with a, I mean, she's got a press. Right, so she's got, got the dough for the tortillas yeah, or whatever, yeah. and squishing them out right there and then throwing them out on a, on a, uh, on a stone until they were nice and toasted. Like a we, hot we, we stone. We weren't eating seafood, though. We were eating, that was breakfast, I remember, that morning. Yeah, man, we're just in some village with this mamacita just cr- crushing them out, man. With uh, uh, man and, uh, wow. Listen, listen. Pepper I used, sauce. I used to work with a bunch of Spanish guys. And I can tell you right now that they gotta eat fish tacos because I've eaten them eat, I've seen them eat spaghetti on tacos. I mean, it, I, like I was gonna say it, soft say, tacos, I, right? Yeah, Look, it's it's a bread. taco. A taco to a Mexican person is a fork. Yeah, they just grab yeah. a ta- they grab literally they grab, they a, tortilla, grab a tortilla, grab and, a handful of food, and eat that stuff. That yeah. Makes sense. Uh, well, I, I would say that they, I would think. I mean, I don't know for a fact, but it's it's like it's like we would use bread. Right, because yeah, that's pretty all, much. I think we we see tacos as something special. It's like a special. foldable plate. We see tacos as something special because we eat tacos at Taco Tuesday or Taco Bell or whatever. And they're always beef or chicken or steak. But you can really put anything on a tortilla. Yeah. When I was in, um, I haven't been in a while. Um, and I can't even think what the place is called. Uh, Vallarta. Um, we ventured out and away from resorts and things like that and we ate local mexican food and local mexican fare and small I mean, literally like lean to type restaurants i didn't see anybody eating enchiladas tostitos or whatever it was all no. it was all there was because it's a west coast city there was a lot of seafood and stuff and there was a lot of chicken and there was pork but usually it was it was the staples man it was beans rice pork um a lot of citrus and a lot of pepper sauce. So makes that makes sense. You think it makes a lot of sense. You think about it. How much room does it take to actually grow cattle? Oh man, the cattle we saw there, dude. They, those those cattle are surviving on rocks. Right. <clears throat> it, but it takes space to grow cattle. Yeah. You, you could. Oh, I could build yeah. a pen behind my behind the studio here and grow pigs, and yeah. just feed them slop from dinner, and we'll get fat pigs, and we can make pork out of it. Right? Chickens and pork. Chickens mm-hmm. and pigs, they don't need a lot of room to grow to to be meat animals. Yeah. Cows, you can't keep cows in a little pen like that and grow 
Well, you can. Well, you can, but it's time to feed them. Yeah. Sweet feed. Right. <clears throat> to make a decent meal out of it. But you think, like, you look at restaurants, there's restaurants all over Texas that serve wild pig. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, I, and I love that. That's great. Like, <clears throat> what better thing to do with wild pig? I wish we could see more of it here. We build a more, uh, build an industry around it. Oh, well, if you're, if you're it, willing to do it, I mean, we can build a little shelter out there and tie a calf to the ground and we'll grow veal in your backyard. <laughs> I'm all my, for it. My wife would not let that happen. You talking about the cow oh or, or gosh, the, the having cow. veal part? Uh, the veal. The veal. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she'd welcome the cow. She'd welcome the cow. She'd welcome having the cow. That's just a calf. You can't kill it. Yeah. Watch I, me. I just don't have any gumption that way. I don't, I don't know. That, that's I don't that's know. good meat. My cousin got meat chickens. Yeah. Like little meat chickens. They didn't really want them. Shoot. They got Dude, turkeys have you ever too. seen like a couple of turkeys. Oh, that was going to be Thanksgiving dinner. I seen him somebody, and his wife uh, said that, and I was like, "No." Nah, I, I seen somebody share a post the other day about like a meat chicken versus like a laying chicken. Yeah, yeah. And they they had the laying chicken feather like skinned out. It was all plucked and everything, and it looked like one of those stretchy chickens that you squeeze. It's like <laughs> 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 it was just this like super skinny, ugly chicken, and then the meat chicken was like fat and. Dude, I forget what those meat chickens. Because they're not all full of hormones and all that. They've been bred. A friend of ours in Georgia, Matthew's got a farm. He actually he actually raises the chickens that lay the eggs that are then raised for butchering. Um, but those chickens, like when they they whack them all at eight weeks because if you just let them go to like twelve weeks, their their bodies get so big that their joints can't support them. They like dislocate their legs. Weeks? Yeah, eight weeks is most of the chickens you eat in the store. They're eight weeks old, eight or nine weeks. That's it. Jesus. They get that big that fast. That's why they're nice and tender. Yeah, I was going to say, my <laughs> old laying hens, dude, they were like two years old. Yeah, well, these aren't Rhode Island <laughs> Reds or yeah. Leghorns either. Yeah. These are like C26 93s or something. Like that. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's what they call them. That's like you talk to is. somebody in the poultry business, they know exactly. Oh, yeah, it's a C26 93. Uh, oh, yeah. It's like, like describing a car part. We, <laughs> I, much. I had to go to Georgia. Uh, was it last week or a couple weeks back for uh, for work? And we're driving up there, and the guy that's driving was like, "We drove past his house. I wasn't even paying attention." He's like, "That guy right there is raising or uh, raising fighting chickens." I said, "Do what?" <laughs> he said, "Yeah." He said, "I, I guarantee you right there it is. And them's fighting roosters." I said, "I ain't no way." So we get whatever we got to get done up there, and we start heading back, and we pass this house. It's like, look at that house. And it's just literally these little, like, pieces of, uh, what's it? I forget what the plastic pipe's called. I know what it's called, but it's just, like, pieces of plastic pipe that are maybe, like, three foot long, and they're all set on the ground, got fence on both sides, and the chickens are outside of them, and they have, like, a five-foot-long rope (laughs) tied to the plastic thing, and then the other ends tied to the chicken roosters and i'm like oh yeah yeah that guy's definitely raising fighting roosters <laughs> <laughs> he's got like 40 of them in his yard and there's just random roosters tied to these things i'm like yeah, he's raising he said my he said somebody knows is into that stuff he's like man they can sell those dang fighting roosters for like 500 dollars a rooster dang i need some fighting roosters <laughs> that's what i'm saying <laughs> no Peter, we do not need fighting roosters at the under pressure outdoors podcast <laughs> 
Five hundred dollars well, well, rooster. Well, Pretty well, sure that's a no no. Before we get off chickens, and you made me think about this and roosters, and we go back to fish, I want to point out I watched a TikTok the other day, and I was telling Amanda because she wants chickens. I said, "Man, if we're going to get chickens, we got to get a rooster." Well, why do we need a rooster? And that makes so much noise. Like, well, because a rooster will protect the hens. Like, and we saw it when we were growing up. You had roosters, and you could go outside and make a hawk screech, and all the chickens would run. Well, when the roosters were gone, the hens wouldn't run from a hawk anymore. Yeah. The thing the rooster would run, the hens would follow him. So the thing with a well, with I a, watched a TikTok the other day. <clears throat> a hawk got into the coop and started whooping up on a hen. The rooster come out of the hen house and whooped the ever loving shit out of that hawk <laughs> and run him out of the chicken yard. Yeah, I believe so, it. So that's why you need roosters. So the thing is, a rooster will not crow as much as if he has a proper amount of hens. Hmm. Rooster has to have so many hens to not make a bunch of noise. The, the best TikTok video we talking about chickens is Blavis. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. That was hilarious. I watched that one too many times. All right, back to fishing. So we went out uh, over to New Smyrna Beach, Ponce Inlet, and we met up with Captain McNutt, uh, Will McNutt, which you guys heard last week uh, for the second time, and such a great guy, and just an awesome experience to get on it that was. boat. Um, Man, he's just a a jam up, personable captain like he's just somebody that you can easily you can meet him the first time i ever went out with him he's just somebody that you can meet and just instantly get along with well you feel like you're fishing with your buddy yeah Mm -hmm. oh yeah man the cool thing is you're as long as you're fishing he's captain he's cool that everybody do their thing he baiting it minute you put down your rod boom he's on that rod though man (laughs) there will if if there's an open spot somebody's filling it you're like i'm gonna take a break he's like i'll take your spot yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you putting that rod down because yeah. I'm gonna pick it up. Yeah, there was you the could, man. You can truly see the passion he has for what he does. Oh yeah, and it was it was awesome. And you know, every chance we got, he's out there like he's like, I know y'all fishing for for snapper at the moment. I'm gonna try and bring in something else. I'm gonna throw this, and he would stand at the back of the boat and he chuck that that uh, that jig or whatever and try and bring this or that. And he was hoping for a Kobe, but they just were not to be had. No, they weren't there. They were not there. We had we had pretty rough seas, and that's what kept us pretty much to ourselves. We were what it was uh, four to six foot with a five second interval. Yeah, he said know, one six point. is a little generous, but yeah, there. It mean, was a four. We, second. Had, we had some. We had. I mean, your your seas are always you know yeah, a couple this rollers. To this, yeah, but we had some that were probably six foot. But just, I, I would say it, it maintained probably about four foot. But the interval was pretty dang close for most of the day. I'm just so glad your dad wasn't driving. <laughs> <laughs> if you ever go out, if you ever get a chance to go out with. Uh, Will's dad, Bill. Hammer down, son. Dude, there's two speeds on his boat, neutral and balls. <laughs> and now you yeah. know where Jordan gets it. <laughs> no, I know how to drive in rough seas. I've owned enough small boats to know that you can't drive like that in a rough sea. You got to keep that bow up. But, no, it, was, it wasn't bad. I mean, man, beat the ever-loving crap out of me getting out there. Uh not that he would, you know, not to any fault. I'd say he but, actually kept it. Uh, he kept it pretty decent. Yeah, yeah. And he's, he even said we get out there, he's like, "Man, I can tell you guys are built for the sea. If ain't none of y'all got sick yet." <laughs> yeah, yeah. He said that once. He's like, and it was what? It was probably about noon, maybe when he yeah. said that. And we what pulled out of the dock at seven thirty or so, something yeah. like that. And he's like, "Man, y'all are pretty seaworthy because uh, if one of y'all was gonna get sick, it was gonna be." Y'all done did it by now. Was that uh, was that your first time going out, Briar, on something like that? Yeah, yeah. 
that was my first time ever going out in a charter boat where I wasn't standing there with 50 to 60 other people. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. the way to do you know, it. A little piece of information that, that uh, Captain McNutt gave us. He said those kind of boats, man, they're just a ripoff. I don't doubt it. Yeah. Oh, the Critter Fleet. Yeah. Yeah. I went uh, I went one time with a church group. Actually, both times I went with on that, I went with a church group. One time we went uh, and we fished and we caught uh, like snapper and stuff like we caught when we were out on Saturday. A lot of grunt. Um, and then uh, the next time I went, I went out of Daytona Beach, maybe Cocoa Beach. I can't remember. Uh, we went on a shark fishing trip at night. That was pretty fun. That's pretty fun because they did have like a, a biggest shark pot. You could pay five bucks in. Well, that's cool. Whoever got the biggest shark won some won some extra money. That'd been pretty neat to get on and catch some sharks. Man, it yeah. was unreal how you could literally feel when your fish got ate by a shark. Yeah, yeah. right. Because you're like fighting this, you're like fight, 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 and then all of a sudden your line just goes and start sinking to the bottom like nothing you can stop it's not running from you it's just it's uh mm. it's it's back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and then just dead weight i think it's gone i yeah. think some <laughs> of those were not sharks i think some of those were goliath because usually yeah. they think sharks they'll hit it and they, they'll and it's not just a roar it's it's a real strong, you know, they're pulling and you scream and drag it and the, the rope snaps, it gets in their teeth and they're gone. Yeah. I think, so I think a lot of those were Goliath. And we'd, you know, and, and man, some of those fish were big too. We'd be on what was probably a, a decent sized red snapper and horsing that thing up, right? You'd, you'd just start making headway on it. And as soon as you got it up off the bottom, pow. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jim easily you easily pulled in the biggest red snapper we caught. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that William pulled one. in one. Everybody's like, "That's huge!" No, 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 no. no. And then Jim caught no, that, was that big one. one. Adam brought up first. That I know, but William caught one. a big one yeah. too, and they were like, "Man, that's huge!" And I got a picture of William with his, and then Jim caught his, and I got a picture with Jim and his, and I went to look in between the two. I was like, "Man, Jim makes Williams look tiny." Yeah. <laughs> I, I was so hoping that was something other than a red snapper. You knew probably was. It felt like a red snapper. But I was like, "Just don't be a grouper. Don't be a red snapper. But be something edible." But I was happy. It was, I'm like, you mean edible or filetable, Jim? Filetable, keepable, yeah, filetable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, but yeah, I wanted it to be something good and keepable. I wouldn't, you know. Um, yeah. but yeah, you know, it was, it was still fun to catch it. But I, uh, and I'm, I am very glad to see that the red snapper are prolific. I makes me question though. Yeah, I know. I know the the fisheries are really they're paying attention so the the snapper population must not yet be back to where they were at once was but man there were snapper all over the place out there big healthy red snapper and that was that was interesting but you know i mean i know they they found in some of their studies and what changed the whole open season thing about that was they come to find out that red snapper like this huge groups of red snapper gathered over sand no, no structure, no nothing. Just big schools of snapper gathered over sand for some reason. So that's come to show that there's a lot about red snapper that we just don't know. And so that's created more studies out of that. It's it's interesting. And I, I hope that we come to find out that the whole time we've been holding the season off that we were wrong. We just didn't quite know where to look for the giant schools of red snapper. Maybe. I don't know. What was interesting while we were fishing, though, is Will had to keep us off the top of the structure. 
Because if we were right on the structure, the rad snapper were dominating it. Yeah. And then we moved over a little bit, and we whacked some vermilion. And then if you got over the sand, then we're picking up the lane snapper, especially right down mm-hmm. in the sand. Yeah. We were. Yeah. You you were picking up the lane snapper. I caught, <laughs> but I had, I had a little you, different. You caught a few, yeah. but Jim caught the majority. I didn't start I catching them until Jim sat down. Yeah, when Jim sat down, that's when everybody else started catching the lanes. Admittedly, I caught so yeah. many lanes that I... That, I did something to my elbow. <laughs> I got like tennis elbow, fisherman's elbow. I know. Jim hooks into something and he's like, nope, that's, that's, that's probably another for me. Jim yanks out of the lane. They're like, oh, oh anyway, God, you just going to keep catching lane snapper? After the second one, I could tell the difference. Like, I, 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 t- I tell Wells, like, guess what? <laughs> it was that double rig, though, because I switched over to your pole when you were, when you were sitting down. It was. I started catching him on that double rig. And I think part of it was because with the double rig, you had the opportunity to drag something along the bottom, and then you'd, right, because I'd, I'd cast it just a little way, and I'd, go all the, I'd let the weight go all the way to the bottom. And then you start pulling it up like you're going to catch Vermilion. But just the way that double rig was laid out, I imagine you were dragging bait along the bottom, and then you drag the top one off. Because remember the first bunch I caught, was I was catching them on the top hook. Yeah. Right, and then, then they started hitting the bottom hook. But ironically, when they started hitting the bottom hook, I was really trying to focus more on getting those last two vermilion, vermilion snappers so we'd have our our limit. And, yeah. And then they were hitting the bottom hook. <laughs> so yeah. I uh, man, I, it makes me really need to I feel like I need to get a surf rod. Oh, Just yeah. not that I'm going to catch snapper on a surf rod, but. I like. I don't mind going to the beach. I'm not a big like, ooh, let's go swim in the ocean type person anymore. I, I used to like boogie board and stuff as a kid, but ever since I got, I, don't know, I guess I kind of grew out of it. I'd rather go out there and fish. And we used to go. We used to go to the beach and just sit there and, and fish in the inlet off the jetties. Yeah, I'll just say the kids are like, let's go to the beach. You're like, let's go down by the jetties and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but give me a good surf rod. I wait out waist deep, sit there and catch whiting yeah. and kingfish all day. Mm-hmm. There you go. Don't bother me none. Man, I tell you when um on the days I think y'all know that I love that panhandle area. There's a couple places. Um well one, Jordan and I got showed by uh Lane Stevens. Um where you can you gotta kinda fight your way through the catfish and the little ankle biter sharks to also hook into some sweet redfish right yeah. off the beach. That was Absolutely fantastic, and then, um, but up up in another area when you get a just a calm day and you really can walk out to like the second sandbar, you got to kind of go through. You know, there's a there's a trough in the middle, right? And you could throw out there um, and get into the pompano and the whiting and and croakers, and of course you got to always fight off the catfish. But that is that's a great day when it's calm. And you're just catching fish, especially we used to go to because the kids used to love catching fish. They didn't care what it was. And man, they would, of course, I like eating, I like catch fish you can eat. So there were places we were getting the croakers, you know, anything from four inches to a foot and a half. And we couldn't bait the hooks fast enough. It, we were exhausted, and all of my buddy Jason and I were doing bait and hooks. And we we pulled up when we left. We must have had a stringer. I don't know, eighty croakers. <laughs> you know, and, and went back to and filleted every one of but those they fry things. Up man. So good, dude. You know, we were slamming croakers and fresh little redfish one day. Yeah, 
I told Jim, Jim and Kim Kang hung out with us on the boats one day, and I was like, man, we were catching croakers here last week. He's like, what? And then we just started. No, I thought you were talking about stripers. Croakers. We caught stri- We caught croakers that day. Oh, yeah. But we've, I've else. caught croakers there before, too, though. Oh, I thought you were doing something else. Then. Well, no, lady. We, uh, the stripers. We've caught stripers there, too, though. What were you catching them with? Shrimp. 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 Lady had fresh shrimp. And I kind of think, I was looking at the, like, she was fishing with food quality fresh shrimp. And I was kind of thinking, like, mathematically, this does not make sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, well, no, because she, cause she would, they're a good size shrimp, but she would not throw a whole shrimp out there. She'd throw like a third of a fresh shrimp out and on a bottom rig. And you sit there and all of a sudden, you know, you just, you're, yeah, and next thing you know, we're talking eighteen-inch croakers. They were, they were big. <laughs> Dang, mm-hmm. freshwater man. I know, I know what I'm well, doing brackish. next time I go out there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Dude, you got boy that close though mm-hmm. to where you were at. That's not brackish water. That's just fresh water right there. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, you're right there, close to brackish too. They're coming out of brackish water, but that is where you were at. That is nothing but fresh water. Yeah, you, I'm pretty you sure it's all fresh. Yeah, you can't. You'd have to be another. 150 200 yards out from there to really call it brackish water yeah but i know i know where you were at i don't even know if that that far down the river though you think it's still brackish absolutely 100 percent. you you've seen you've seen one of the biggest snook you've seen in there haven't you around that redfish 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 Mm -hmm. a massive redfish further down river probably five miles down river somebody pulled a redfish out of uh not Jessup, uh, Lake Harney at one point, not that, too many years that, ago. Yeah. I mean, I, I was uh, wandering down the river, I guess. I can't remember what lake we were down by. Well, we've got a we have a saltwater intrusion problem, period. And then you see some of those places like where you guys are talking about the shrimp boats come through there. We and, catch blue crab out there all yeah. day. Well, I've seen yeah. I've seen blue crab in Blackwater Creek in Seminole Forest. The yeah. biggest blue crab I've ever seen I saw at the boat ramp in hmm. Seminole Forest in Blackwater Creek. Hmm. And it blew my mind. That sucker was probably 10 inches across his back. Take him. Absolute monster. I don't know. They're all over. You got to Crystal Springs? Where, we'll, you know, King Springs. We'll go get like a canoe that. and start setting uh, crawfish traps up there. That ain't worth it. They're too tiny. Mm-hmm. When you uh, fiberglass that one, you... I need to get on there. It's still in my backyard. Speaking of canoes and crawfish, man, you we still have tickets for the crawfish bowl up for sale. Yeah. Uh, we don't have that many left, and so you better get them before they're gone because once they're gone, they're gone, and I'm not selling them the day of. So uh, today is uh, when, mm, it, when it you comes. Want, you want to walk that back, man. I think we should take people to walk up if they got cash and we've got the crawfish because don't tell me we ain't going to have the crawfish. There's no way we're not going to have just – a deadly, unhealthy amount of crawfish. I don't know about an unhealthy amount, but I'm going to eat an unhealthy amount. <laughs> oh, I already yeah, told you I'm bringing a regulator so I can kind of keep track. You got one of them counters? Hey, one of the like the uh, the um pads at a baseball game. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> talk about it. A little clicker. You can click tear up the crawfish. There will be click, some tear up a crawfish. There will be some genuine Louisiana Mardi Gras crawfish trays in fact i don't got one for you i keep forgetting to bring it in but we'll be giving some of those away at the boil the police officers are the, dude the, first light gave us some gear 
Yeah. For the boil. Mm. The Lake County Sheriff's officers, officers I spoke to this morning are supposed to be coming with their families. Yeah. You nice. tell them to tell all their buddies. Yeah, that's what I told them. Gave them some, the last of our, under, well, I gave out three of the last of our under pressure outdoor stickers. I have two left. So do we, do we officially have a beer sponsor and, and a way to have, I'm not a poke because 501c3s understand it could sell beer without a liquor license. And I've got no problem with that so long as we also are following other reasonable, like, no, you cannot have a 30th beer, sir. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. Um, but you mentioned police officers. I'm like, hmm, actually, I would love to have them there. Not because they're never not in an official capacity, but not, not an official official capacity. But Well, it's it's good to have people like that there, yeah. especially because that's what Tin Can Outdoors is about. And that's who we're benefiting yeah. from the crawfish yeah. bowl. That's first responders and veterans. And they're taking those guys on hunting and fishing trips. And it's not like, hey, let's go shoot hogs at Joe Schmo's property. This is like, hey, let's take you and your family out to Colorado to shoot elk mm-hmm. at this nice place. Well, me and, uh, me and Jordan went out to Orange Lake, and that was uh, raising money for their alligator hunts. Yeah. And they put some folks on some good gators, too. Yeah. I mean, I'm not talking about, like, a seven-foot gator. I mean, they killed some 10 pluses. Yeah. But, I don't know. It, it I We have some people that have offered to put beer there. And I think if we take them up on their offer, they'll definitely do that. Yeah, I think we should yeah. go hard on that, and then we'll figure it out. Worst case, we just give it away. But yeah, I, I'm not opposed to that either, as long as everybody's reasonable, right? Yeah. Right. And and I think that we have to, if we're going to do, that, we have to be the arbiters. And if we say, "Sorry, brother, but that's it. That's it." Yeah. Um, you know, that's all. You know, anytime you put all these things together, they always run that risk. Somebody brings their own beer and has too much. But we, by and large, we've done enough of these things, and I haven't seen anybody. <clears throat> really show their ass. So. Yeah, because we, we've never discouraged, although our events are very family-friendly, we've never discouraged anybody from bringing their own beer to any of the cookouts. I mean, I, yeah. I sit there, I, I bring I say, my I'm going to drink beer. some beers. So yeah, I bring, bring my own beer, own beer and, and drink beer, but I also, you know, stay within the limits of not having too much beer while I'm at these cookouts. Yeah. Yep. Um, Who, who's making the run? Is Ridge going to run again? Ridge is making the run again. All right. All the way to Louisiana and back. Yeah, we got to get with him. I got to get with him about crawfish prices and figure out how much that's going to run us this year with five dollar a gallon gas. Who's who's running the uh, the carry or not karaoke? The the DJing here. The DJing. Yeah, I don't know. Whoever's got a phone, I got a Bluetooth speaker. Yeah, you know who Doug Kershaw is? No, I don't think you run. Ken to D- Sammy Kershaw. No, different oh. guy. Is he DJ Doug Kershaw? No. <laughs> So why are we bringing him up? How can you eat crawfish and not eat, not know who Doug Doug Kershaw is? Probably because I'm too busy. Because I haven't YouTube. I don't know who Doug Kershaw is. You gonna tell us who Doug Kershaw is? Yeah, you never heard the Louisiana man. Does I got a nickel Breyer, in does, my the pocket. The question is, does does Briar know who Doug Kershaw is? Is he a Zadico artist? Uh, it's more well, sort of. It's not like real real Zadico, but it's like. Huh. Cajun country music, I guess. Yeah. I think you and I have covered this on a trip to. To Georgia before Doug Kershaw? Yes, I don't know. When we when we hunted our lease in East Georgia, I don't know. It's just you and Maybe. I. Maybe I don't know why Zydeco is not. We've talked about Zydeco, but not Doug Kershaw. Maybe not. Yeah. I know I've I've talked to talked to Dylan about it before, and I've listened to some stuff. So I may I may have heard a little bit of Doug Kershaw. Maybe because Dylan is from far far southeast Texas, like right across the river from Louisiana. 
like Orange uh, Orange Texas or Beaumont. Beaumont. I've been to yeah. Beaumont. I was just there. I don't know if we can. I, I would play some, but I don't know if we can do it with the copyright and all that. You know? Yeah, probably not. Yeah, it's been pretty. But there's a couple things about that, like Zydeco music. I don't understand why it hasn't left, really left Louisiana in that area because it's it's fun to listen to. It's upbeat, makes you feel good, and I, the other thing I, I can't understand is why they're the Louisiana version of a roast beef po'boy, which is basically you know they call it debris. It's roast beef that has been braised down to the point where it just shreds like pulled pork, but just even finer. And then the thing that seems to, there is a different difference of opinion as to whether you have it really soppy runny or where it's just a little bit more firm. Like it, it has to do with how much gravy is in your debris, right? And uh, you'd think, well, oh, I don't want too much gravy. That's diluting it. Actually, sometimes a sloppy, just running gravy sandwich mm. on awesome French bread. Sounds pretty good. With a little, this is sound crazy, with a little bit of mayonnaise, really super thin sliced tomatoes, and some some good shredded lettuce. Sounds similar. On the French bread, man. I don't, that's a, how come we can't get good bread here? But. Sounds like you need to hold the garden off that and just give me and the bread, the beef, and the gravy. <clears throat> I tell you this: it, uh, good bread. That in uh, Mount Dora, they do a uh, farmers market every Sunday mm-hmm. down there in the corner, and they've got a guy that sells like uh, you. You take the bread; it's partially baked, and you have to take it home and bake it the rest of the way. That's some good stuff. French bread, though. Mm-hmm. I'm it's, looking. Yeah, for he has it. French he has bread. that too. Yeah. yeah, not not cakey bread, but French bread. No, he's got all kinds of stuff. I've got uh, <laughs> I've got some sourdough in there that I picked up, uh, and like some uh, Italian herb hmm. bread, hmm. like the kind you would take in just olive oil. And yeah, while well, we're talking about that, you know, a friend of mine, uh, Hans Pister, who's from South Africa, he turned me on to Publix White Mountain Bread. Hmm. I hear Publix, you should be giving us a check, but. Oh my God! If you've never had Publix White Mountain Bread, as far as I'm concerned, that's like not French bread, but it doesn't really get much better than that. Yeah, it's awesome. My son loves a sourdough. I'm like, you'd rather have sourdough than White Mountain? We had the conversation in front of a couple of buddies of mine. They're like, and they were, and he said, Yeah, I like sourdough better. And they were like, All like, well, that's not right. <laughs> and I like I sourdough, but man, that 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 White Mountain bread they make, I don't know what they do, but it's fantastic. Nothing bakes makes a better egg. Uh, bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich and a good slice of sourdough bread. Except white mite and bread. Mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> Give it but a shot, man. No, no, nothing, make, nothing makes better eggs in a basket than, than uh, sourdough mm. bread. Maybe. Now we've got on the sourdough bread off of fishing again. We talked yeah. about the crawfish boil. Get your tickets. But back to the fishing. We met Captain McNutt there at 730 in the morning, which we already discussed, and go out through Ponce Inlet and get out there and uh, – I guess the goal for the day when we started out was, like we said, was to catch cobia, but it was just so rough. Yeah. And even the cobia boats with their dang giant towers weren't finding any. Uh, but, man, did he put us on those snapper and kept us on them. I say, man, you really got to love uh, a real versatile captain like that, right? So we're out for cobia, and then he realizes that we're not going to find any. So he's able to just instantly say, hey, this is what we need to target. That's also why we didn't get seasick, I think. Part of the reason nobody got seasick is because he kept us in the fish the whole eight hours. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's say, all right, it was, that, lot, he was, we, he it was, was really, probably 90 minutes in there yeah. to commute. 
So there was we were on we were on fish nonstop six and a half solid hours. Yeah, it wasn't long. He'd tell us pick up every once in a while, but it would just a few minutes and he'd reset. Oh yeah, like all right, get yeah. on. Yeah, pick up, move five hundred yards, set it down. Yeah, and Dude. most of the time that wasn't because we weren't catching fish, but we had drifted back into the red snapper. Yeah, <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> if all we wanted to do is catch fish, we kind of it'd have been nonstop, but we just wouldn't put as much in the, in the box. Mm-hmm. But you had five vermilion per man. We had six bodies, and we had thirty vermilion. What fourteen or fifteen lanes? Look, and then three uh, the uh, little jacks, the um, amico jacks. Yeah. Plus, what I find the fifteen twenty redfish that we couldn't keep, and then. Assorted other things, including a giant remora. There, there was a dang couple of them. There was yeah. a point Murray where remora. There, there was a point where there were five of us fishing, and we got so fortunate enough as to have two captains on our boat. Yeah, uh, Captain Murray and Captain McNutt. <clears throat> um, but Captain Murray was just there hanging out with us that day. He was our sixth body. Yeah, he was yeah. our sixth man. He was he, fishing with us because everybody had fishing licenses. Yeah. yeah. Let me tell you, oh, Captain Murray was on it, though, man. He was yeah. pulling fish off, and he was like, look, you pull that thing in the boat, you smack me with that fish. <laughs> yeah, but there was a point. People were pulling in, and he's like, smack me with it, smack me with it. Just give it in the box. There was a point that we were catching fish so fast that we were all unbaiting hooks and throwing fish in the, in the box and in the back of the boat as faster than he could get them off the hook. Let me tell you, you know, Murray's up there just slicing them grunts up from yeah. old bait, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah I you know. Caught, uh, I think you caught the biggest uh, lane snapper, though. Because remember, I, you, yeah. you pulled I that lane did. snapper, but we thought it was red. And as soon as he saw it was in the boat, he's like, no, he's Murray like, like reached out, like, grabbed I that it, thing. I, I get it at the surface. He's like, yeah. get it in the boat, get it in the boat, get it in the boat. I'm like, okay. I mean, it's just a little lane snapper. Mm-hmm. But no, I, I guess that was quite quite the lane snapper. Yeah. Well, then we uh, had that red snapper that had a lot of yellow in it. He caught it with the, with that red and yellow jig is what he did. Oh, that's so, what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We thought we, thought we had a oh, giant. Going right, right to the record books, man. Yeah. Like a... Yeah, how was it? Thirty-five pound lane snapper. <laughs> but it, it was a lot of fun. I mean, it, it, man, I I had a freaking blast, and I was sore the next day, hurting. Yeah, yeah hurting. but good sore, not like you know, just sore from having fun, catching a bunch of fish, yeah. fighting fish sore. Yeah, I, I don't know much of the fishing that got us sore. The ride. <laughs> no, man, my arms were sore. Yeah, from hanging on to that bar, man. That's what I think it was. I, I was pulling in fish, man. That that those left and right. Those fish, they might not be big, but they put up a dang good fight. Yeah, they did. Yeah. And it, it was a lot of fun getting in some of them bigger reds. And I'd like to see some of the couple that I lost. I think they were probably about twice the size of gems. I know. Every time I hooked into a big one, I'm like, come on, come on, come on. Don't get eight. Don't get eight. Don't get eight. Don't get eight. And then, ding, bam, gets eight. I'm like, son of God. Well, there's a couple others that, for whatever reason, I think we were just hooking them in the mouth but not hitting them in the plate because you'd have you fighting them off and all of a sudden doop, boop, doop. Yeah. spit the hook like they just yeah spit the hook and, I don't know yeah. man I mean I, 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 we were all doing it man we were all ripping lips it's not like we weren't setting a hook yeah right <laughs> wham <laughs> yeah so, Murray's like jerk the lips off of them yeah so, when he, after, <laughs> after he's like look if, if, if when in doubt just snatch his lips off I'm like alright man <laughs> Be careful like that. Don't he be took, over Briar, took rip, yeah. Briar took ripping lips to a whole new. 
He, he it, finally figured out what it feels like when a fish bites. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, not a real one. How many how many grunts did you pull in where they were hooked to the side of the head? Though? Oh yeah, man, I was gonna say I was say nothing I, nothing fights like a dang foul hook grunt though. <laughs> yeah, you hook that sucker right in the bottom and he spins around sideways the whole way you're coming up. It puts up a good fight, dude. Those that. jacks that uh, those jacks that Briar caught, those things fight. Yeah, you caught yeah. all three of those Amico jacks, didn't I, you? I reckon, man. I was just pulling fish in the boat. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I was like, "Look, I figured if he took them off, he could throw them back or throw them in the box." <laughs> he knew more about it than I did. Well, Pretty. we're all we're all meteors too. It's, and I noticed that Murray was going through the the grunts as bait, but he was also sliding them out the back of the boat as fast as he could. We said, ah, "Kill them all, right?" You know? like, yeah. He's yeah. like, <laughs> "I didn't realize at the end those guys are planning on doing boat. all the knife work." I I fully I was fully prepared to clean all those fish. Yeah, but uh, we came home plenty. You know, otherwise yeah. we'd come home with other. 30 grunts a piece. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd still have so much stuff vacuum sealed in there. It wasn't even funny. All the all the meat we'd had from that trip, we'd have kept all those grunts. When we got back and I realized how many fish we actually had, I was like, oh, yeah, probably a good thing he didn't keep any of those grunts. Good <laughs> <laughs> but he had a lot of those things still up in the dang... Uh, he had the, the live, live ones well. in his live well, yeah. But good Lord, that pinfish I caught. Oh, my gosh, I forgot about those massive pinfish. Oh, yeah. I mean, mm. god dang slabs, man! Dude, you could have yeah. got fillets off those pinfish. I'm we talking like twelve inch to thirteen inch pinfish. Yeah, yeah. that Huge. sucker was swimming around that live well like a boss. Yeah, <laughs> and pinfish, what you gonna man, do about it? Pinfish are voracious. Yeah, it kind of makes me nervous that there's pinfish you get out there that big. You get in a swarm <laughs> of those things, it's like like piranhas. Like piranha. Man. <laughs> Not to I, mention, they're called pinfish for a reason. When they get to be a foot long, uh, you know that's that's handled care. I mean, <laughs> they're not spinfish; they're spike fish. They're gonna run you right through. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know what's funny is you're talking about that, and I'm sitting here a second ago with my my leg up over my knee, and I was feeling my ankle, and I've still got a dang cut on my ankle from where <laughs> something got me when we were in the boat. Stabbed my ankle good. I could still feel the scab down there on my left ankle. Well, yeah, I know. There was a couple of fish I got in the boat, and I just threw, and the next thing I know, look over there between Byers' legs. Uh, so I, I got a confession to make. I, I know what that was. That was a vermilion snapper that, as I was pulling it off the hook, got away from me, and I fish slapped you with it. And, and you were like, yeah, that hurt a little bit. And, and I was like, and it slid back to the back of the boat. And I looked down, and there was a little trickle of blood, and I was like, I'd be all right. It's, well, there was one point. Look, I, I was one point I was bleeding out of my calf, and I still see that mark there, too. Oh, that's prior. what I was talking about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I got one on my calf and one on my ankle on the same leg, probably both from Jim. It's, it was on Jim's side. Uh, I was catching so many fish, I was throwing them all willy-nilly. But Briar says to me, he says, is that your blood or fish blood? I said, I don't know. Either way, it'll buff out. Just went right back to fishing. <laughs> so going out, this is my first time. I was fully prepared for more fishing than catching because that's the way it usually is when I'm fishing. But, oh, man, I'm telling you, that was like, I don't think I've ever caught so many fish. That's one of the things. That's one of the things that really has me enamored with saltwater fishing, though, because like you can go out and bass fish all day, and you'll literally sit there and cast and cast and cast and cast and cast. And cast. Be like, yeah, I caught four good ones. Yeah, and that's all I caught. Mm-hmm. Well, you go out saltwater fishing, man, and you can either sight fish, where you pull around, you're looking for something to cast at, or you can sit there and bobber fish you can catch pinfish you can catch this you can catch that there's so many different types of fish that'll just they're they're everything in the salt water i guess the best way to literally describe it 
and describe it in a sense the way they bite is they all got teeth. Yeah. And they, they act like they all have teeth. I'm so good because, I mean, it was like, when we got on that first spot, it was like, drop it down. Oh, crap, there's a fish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, I tell you, we get that first spot, I would literally throw my hook down, bring a fish up, put some bait on, throw, it wasn't down there for three seconds. I was yanking up another fish. Yeah. I was yeah. sitting there at one point, I was fishing with the same piece of squid for about 10 minutes, and Murray says, you, you need to get a different piece of squid. I said, I'm going to give it one more. Put it back down there, caught three more snapper on it before I finally ran out of bait. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's the thing. When we we talk, we you have talked about diving on shows, especially in the Gulf. And I don't know if we were on Natural Reef or that was a rock pile. Like they've there's old bridges and stuff they've dumped out there. Because in the area, not up around that area, someplace I don't know. I didn't know coordinates on it. I've gone out and uh, there's tugs and there's there's rubble piles and you can go around them. You can also catch. Uh, we we spear primarily um, flatties. What's you know, a flatty? Um, I'll put you on the spot. Yeah, all of a sudden I'm sitting there blanking. Hello, flounder. Duh. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, and there's big flounder out there sometimes. I mean, flounder, just doormats. And um, <clears throat> so I was wondering about what quote unquote reef structure we were on. Was it natural or artificial? But when you get off of those they things. They said it was a wreck several times. I think a couple times they've been okay. wrecked. Yeah, so, but when you get off of the wreck or when you get off of the whatever the rubble piles are that are out there, it's just no man's land, just sand forever. So yeah. all of those fish pile up on small spots. So if you've got if you've got the numbers, you're going to catch the fish. And but that's that's the thing you got to know where the numbers are and when they're there and when they're not. Because believe it or not, they're not always there. <clears throat> Speaking of artificial reefs, I'm really looking forward to it. I guess I got to need to probably email that guy down in Pinellas County. Yeah, where's our reef? No kidding. I'm curious. I just, not not that you know. I'm trying to rush it to get it out there in the water, but I want to go fish it. I want to know. Cool. You know. I mean, hell, we left. I didn't get home till after midnight that night. I want to go fish that reef and catch some fish. You have to give it some time for the fish to get on it too. But if you guys are are new to the podcast, this is back, oh, man, last year. Well, yeah, but it was like hot. Last, yeah, it was hot. Well, of course, that's all, again Florida, so it could have been November. But <laughs> it might have been actually in October. I no. think. Yeah, yeah, I think it was October. Anyway, yeah, August. October. Nah, wasn't that long ago, was it? It may have been August. You had the Ford. Yeah. So <clears throat> Gator season might have been Gator season or coming up to. We was drove down. Gator season, I think. We drove yeah. down to Pinellas County with a bunch of concrete and dumped it off down there. And did a podcast uh, with their guy to build an artificial reef. So you'll be able, be able to go out there eventually and fish on an artificial reef off of Pinellas County that Under Pressure Outdoors donated some concrete to. Speaking of our service and all other things, we need to reach out to um, the Forest Service and figure out when are they doing their doing cleanup their this year. Yeah. yeah. Their spring clean. Yeah, especially yeah. since there's apparently no other effort to go out and clean up the woods this year. We should get out there and at least put a day in. A couple more pull a, jet skis. Pull a, a few tons boats. off the trash pile. Yeah, yeah, we do, we do. Yeah. Jordan, I think, why, man, that'd be great to uh, dedicate an effort just to hooking up boats and dragging them out to the road. 
I just love the scene that that oh, causes yeah. during that during that time when you go and you just grab a boat and drag it down a dirt road and leave it by the by forty or uh, was that forty two up there? No, they, he's on did 40. they do that every 40? year though? Sorry, with the boats. Yeah, but the firemen go because well the fire the 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 uh, fire or whatever the forest service fire guys go out there and they were pulling the boats out last year. And I was th- there were so many, and they were all nasty old ruddy boats. But right. I'm like, man, they, I, I can't believe there's that many new boats every year. Because there was a bunch. Oh, I don't doubt it. Really? Yeah. Do you know how hard it is to get rid of a boat like that in the state of Florida? Yeah. I got a uh, the top half of a jet ski at the house that I've been cutting up and sticking in my recycling bin because I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Somebody knew Cal National Forest just set one on fire, remember? Yeah, smoldering fiberglass. Well, thing. that was a boat. We got the jet ski out, but they took right. a, they took a boat and set it on fire. And then I saw that, and I said, "I am not touching it." Yeah, nope. The the wind blew, and you could see the fiberglass particles just blow into the air. And I started itching just looking at it. Yeah, I was worried about getting in my lungs. Yeah, I pulled a few pieces of that thing out, but you know, although we Michelle and I were up that one place where I'd spent so much time, and then you guys kindly went down that road. We picked up that whole road. Um, oh, what's the road? Is it off, not 44? What's the road that goes right through into Paisley? Pa- from Paisley 42. into Altoona. 42. Yeah. Um, that had just been, it just become a dump site. Well, you, you're talking about, uh, we always called it. Uh, Kismet. Kismet. Yeah. yeah. That road. By yeah. Kismet. Yeah. Fortunately. Kismet is the, is the hard road at the end of it, but it's like. Forest Road 459 or something no, like that. No, I think it's right. 471. It doesn't matter. It's 561, wouldn't it? Or I, I don't remember. Five, I don't maybe know. 561. It's, mm-hmm. it's a dirt road that runs from the end of 439 on to 42. It's not. Uh, no. no. 42. Yeah, 42. No. Yeah, well, don't tell people where it is. I don't want to dump a trash there. Yeah. But that was the good no, news. Is I, I suspected because it was, it was in such bad shape. I kind of had a theory like, you know, this gets in such bad shape. That now people just think it's an acceptable place to dump. Yeah. And I thought, you know, if you clean the place up, that maybe people would be hesitant to dump there. And that appears to be the case because it's a year later. And there's garbage there, but there's not there's not just somebody backed a truck up and dumped construction debris. We we put a lot of work into picking up the small stuff. I mean, I was riding on the dang skids of your truck holding on to the side of it, stopping picking up cans and stuff cans and stuff but before then and even before we went out i for two years i was going out there hauling couches right somebody had unloaded like a whole trailer's worth of clothes and and, and then there was construction debris so by the time you guys went out there and thank you very much because that i don't know why that area means so much to me um you i had gotten a lot of the it's you know it's when you clean up trash that's easier to clean up big stuff than it is small right. stuff because you're not bending over all the time so you really put the finishing touch on that, and that, I think uh, it helped because that it's nowhere, nowhere near. I'll tell you why that road means so much to me, because I spent so much <laughs> of my primitive years riding north to south, or north south, and then riding north, and then riding back south, and then riding north, and then riding back south. Yeah, and but just you got up and down that road back then when we were. Oh, kids. that was a much that, different road back yeah, then. Yeah, that but, road was a skinny little trail through the woods. That had some massive mud holes on it. 
Yeah. That's yeah. why we wrote it. <laughs> yeah. So often it, it was always Friday night. Hey, what are you doing? Oh, nothing. You know, the route to the woods. That's the first place we went. Oh, yeah. Because one of the first things I was cleaning up was all busted up toe straps and stuff that were all there. For <laughs> yeah. Guys got stuck and they got so stuck the toe straps broke. Yeah. Well, at that so, point, you know, I mean, I, I can't, I can't really fault a guy for not going, not wanting to go. Yeah, I'm about to go back, waist back, back waist deep, and dive under and find that toe strap. I mean, I it, understand that, but throwing your couches and everything else out there, it used to yeah. be a giant mud hole at the end of that road too. I remember when you it was infamous. We, yeah. we were we were driving down through it was there a five sixty. It had a, it has a Facebook page still. Does it still have a Facebook <laughs> yeah. page? Jeez. Briar says, "What side do you think's best?" And Brian, what's the lift on your truck? Six inches. Six inch lift. Thirty five on thirty fives. We went off. I said, I think the right side's not as bad. He went off the right side, and his fucking headlights went underwater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, interestingly, they filled that hole in right after I started mm-hmm. cleaning that place up. Yeah. Maybe the forest service is like, well, yeah, we're, somebody cleaned it all up. We're going to eliminate the problem. They had the road. They had that end of the road closed off for a while because people were just going and destroying that hole. I remember, I remember one time before before you you know Cala was all permitted for turkey hunting. I was out there turkey hunting one time, um, and uh, I pulled up this dude stuck in a mud hole out there, and I drove around the trail that went around the outside of the mud hole in my jeep, and I said, "You all right, man?" He's like, "Well, I felt like I was okay till you just drove around that trail, and I didn't see it before I got stuck in here." <laughs> I said, you need somebody to pull you out? I was not about to pull that F-250 out with my little Jeep Wrangler. I nope. said, but I'd give it a try. He's like, oh, I got a buddy coming. I was like, okay, man. I'll uh, I'll let you be then. And I drove off. But it seemed like for every big mud hole they had, there was almost a trail around all of them. Yeah. yeah. I, I had gobblers answering me when I was out there cleaning up trash. Just had a call in my mouth. would let out a few yelps every now and again. Yeah. And um, I, uh, last year, it was two years ago, there was – at least two gobblers in that area that I would occasionally get a return from. But I, no I tag. wasn't anywhere near that area when I witnessed a few gobblers killed, but me and you did some squirrel hunting. The first place me when me and you went out there squirrel hunt that day, mm-hmm. when it was just me and you, the first place we went to, I witnessed a couple turkeys killed right out of that area we first stopped. Um, and... I don't know, man. I, I wish it was still like it used to be, but you know, it is what it is. It used to be it was the first after the first ten days, you could go in there without a permit. But it's not that way anymore. So, you know, gotta have places that are open access. I don't know. It just there's just so many people here now. But Bull I Creek's like, like that. You still get in Bull Creek. Yeah, they've killed something like I saw the other day. It was posted on a friend's Bull Creek or Hunter's Bull Creek. Like 30 gobblers out of there or something. I was like, wow, good 39 man. gobblers? A big number. Yeah. yeah. Doing good. All this talk about turkeys and Bull Creek and all I can look forward to is going back to Charles Bronson for a small game next year. Mm-hmm. That was fun. That was such a beautiful. I'm going to have to go on that one next year. Wildlife management area. It's, it's, it's really beautiful out there. I can't believe you didn't go on it this year. I just had my surgery. Ah, oh, that's right, yeah. What we got to do is try and line that small game up next year with dove season. Yeah. We were if like they're one, open, we're like one day off. Yeah. yeah uh, I don't think it's. I don't think it's open at all during dove season. But uh, it's probably a good thing you could put a hard, hard hurting on the doves instead of floor if it was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think it was in the shoulder. I think it was between the first and second dove season. It that was. was problem. I, I think that yeah. we were there the weekend and dove season opened back up on Monday. Could be. 
Yeah. But there's uh, right after Thanksgiving, dove season first opens up, um, Seminole Ranch. I'm not giving anything away. Or maybe I am to somebody that didn't know this. But you will not be alone at Seminole Ranch. But Seminole Ranch is a place you can go out and set up you and three or four hundred of your closest friends. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to sh- – there's going to be a lot of doves get killed. <laughs> Just because there's 300 guys, 300 shotguns out there. But uh, it's a good day. You, you can shoot. You definitely – I think you, you do want to go out with a posse. Uh, only so that way – this is – I have no problem at all sharing public land. Love it. And, and, and we'll, we'll argue against the person who's like a little too territorial. But there's got to be a reasonable distance between dove hunters. Yeah. And when, when you're sitting there and, and a fella sits – how long's our studio? <laughs> right? Yeah. When, when when you're when you're all camped out and a guy puts his bucket down and he'd be in the same studio with us and, and you like, don't and you yeah, don't hey, man. know who it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'm already here. Like that that's big flashlight that I was shining at you for ten minutes. Like, uh, I don't know. I'm gonna shoot up in the air. I'm like, I don't mind until you, you don't. Right. It's yeah. like no man, move fifty feet that way or hundred yards. You just get. A little further away, please. But, and then they won't. And you're like, all right, I'll move. Right? It's my, like. My thing is, and this goes for duck hunting too, um, I don't mind hunting with you or hunting with you close to me, closer to me, as long as I don't have to argue with you over whose bird, who killed what bird. Like yeah. you're that close. Mm. You know what I mean? Because it, it happens when we duck hunt. It happens when you, it really happens when you dove hunt. I know because people can walk in there, but you're talking about sitting 30, you know, 20 feet away. And I don't know you like, I don't want to have to be like, I shot that bird. Oh, I shot that bird. Oh, well, you know, I'm not going to fight anybody over a golf ball size meat. Marbles. Though, um, I don't know. Briar. I don't know. <clears throat> I, I got some wood duck holes that I don't want nobody else in there with me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you got the same lake. Briar's the nicest guy in the world and will share anything. But, you know, everybody grabs, oh, there's too many people. Briar's got the solution to that. You go hunting with Briar, you're not like, you're you're on the water at 4 o'clock in the morning. Man. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, be at the ramp at 345. And he's hustling, right? But to his credit, you know, we get out there with way plenty of time to set up. Leisurely, we're talking, you know, and. We're an hour in the decoys are out, blinds all blinded up, and we're about ready to chill out with still 30, 40, 50 minutes of <laughs> dark. And sure enough, right, guy rolls right up on yeah. you, and, and they can't even see you because you know, you're all blinded in. You hit the lights, and then finally, oh, well, and you hear it like, hey, uh, would you mind? And Briar's like, Yes, I would mind. No, <laughs> go down there. No, we we sent he sent a group packing. I think they got their. And he suggested. That day, I think. He's like, yeah, go down there. And he goes, yeah, you know, I killed. By. And it was like baton, boom, 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 boom. They were crushing. Them. I don't, I don't know if if that was that boat. I think there was another boat that put in at the other ramp, and they were hunting over by that ramp. Whatever, man. By eight thirty, those guys were living it out and heading back to the ramp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he sent them to the good spot. Yeah, yeah. 
I think they were catching them off before they got to us that morning. I think you were cutting them off. I do. They, just the way the wind was blowing. But, you know, we did that uh, oh, cow small game hunt, which you didn't come to, Jim, but I, I fully agree. You know, we, we wandered all day with old Sid Curtis, <laughs> and such a great dude. And happy birthday, Sid, because uh, yeah. you just had a birthday a couple of days ago. Yeah. But, um, <clears throat> I think next year we do that. We should definitely do. We talked about it when we were out there because we wandered so far through those flats and everything out there. Do a backcountry camping trip. Make it a weekend event. And anybody who wants to come and stay and camp out there can come and camp with us and just make a little squirrel camp. Yeah. Or why don't we do it on a river and call it a Swanee River Trip? <laughs> Where there's already 17 guys going. Yeah. <laughs> At least. But it's not squirrel season. <clears throat> no, but it is bluegill season. It is bluegill season. <laughs> and they will be a biting. Plentiful. Yeah. You, you would think like... So... Uh, you. There, if only half of us caught fish, if only half of us fished, and you see there's no way that you could catch enough bluegill that you could stuff 17 grown-ass men who have been canoeing all day, you'd say, there's no way. Like, that's just too many bluegill. You'll, we'll catch that many. <laughs> so what do you recommend for bait? Crickets, worms, all the... Well, how do you keep those... I mean, the crickets... You- well, you can feed crickets cardboard. But how do you, I mean, well, I guess worms you can keep in the cooler. Yep. Yeah. You want to have a big cooler. Yeah. I'm, I'm, bringing, <clears throat> I'm bringing that fly rod right there. I keep saying. Uh, I got a cricket fly actually on the end of that fly rod right now. Yeah. Have a fly, but have a Zebco or whatever you're going to fish with too. Yeah. Oh, just, no. I, just I, got another, I got another little spinner, about a four foot spinner over there I'm going to use for. All that stuff and that too. But you know what? <clears throat> we was out to uh, bluegill fishing the other day with my kids, and I think I have devised the best bluegill fly. And I invite you, please, if you are a fly tire and you can make this happen, mail us one. <clears throat> just contact us on Facebook. I'll get you my address. But just a fly that looks like a piece of bread floating on the water. You know, yeah. you, you just take that lonely piece yeah. of bread and throw it out there, and the bluegill and the monsters just Hit come up, John up from the depth. Rasta. Hey, yeah, I got an idea. They got them little salmon egg flies, but they don't look like a piece of bread. I'm talking like you rip off that that chunk of bread that's like a, a half inch by a quarter inch wide. You throw it out there, and the bluegill just beat each other oh, to death. Oh, it looks it. like a. Hmm. I think they call yeah. those fish niblets. I think they're little yellow spongy things that you put on a hook. I'm trying to remember if we were catching fish on those or not. Um, but that I, I feel like that'd be the perfect bluegill fly. I ha, I had him hitting on that that uh, that cricket that's on that that fly rod right there on the gun rack, but they weren't none of them were big enough to take it. You're gonna run into a lot of that on the Swanee. That's okay. Yeah. I, I just want the fly rod for the the experience. Experience, yeah, just yeah. to be fun about it. <clears throat> I mean, I bought that specific fly rod just for that uh, and that too. I, I I would love to go next year in the spring and go up to like uh, the Cherokee reservation in North Carolina and do a fly fishing trip up there because you don't have to go on the reservation, but they stock up there and they got some big trout. Well, you got to buy an extra stamp. They don't cause I've done it. They don't stock just that. You can go and fish the Nanatehala and what's that one starts with T it's hard to pronounce. Anyway, Tallulah, huh? Tallulah. No, no, something else. 
But they're uh, I want to say Tuskegee, but they don't sound right. Um, but anyway, and they stock both those rivers in the spring. But, yeah, I, but the Nantahala, you got to fight off the rafters, man. <laughs> not it, not in all no, of it. Not not where you're fishing. It's not that yeah. bad. Same with the Akoli. I w- I would love to get up there and just do a, a few days worth of fly fishing. I've fished it. Yeah, it's awesome. I think it'd be fun. Bring your waders, camp and and put yeah. the insulation in them. <laughs> Every time I fly fish in North Carolina, I've always done it in a pair of board shorts. I'm telling you. Yeah, but with the, what he's talking, those rivers are controlled by big dams. Yeah, yeah. So the cool. water that's flowing down the river, oh, it's gold. It was 200 to 300 feet deep. What before they let it out? Yeah. Yeah, it's, cold. it's like 40 yeah. degree water. It's really cold. I'm not saying I wouldn't bring waders. I'm just saying that I was dumb. It's the the last few times I've done it. Yeah. Well, I mean, we spent time up in, uh, we went up and visited uh, some friends and, and with the kids one year for the 4th of July. And it was absolutely beautiful, man. I mean, you're talking temperatures in the mountains. We got up one morning and hiked a mountain and it was I was wearing a jacket. Yeah. On like July 6th. Yeah. It was like 58 degrees. I'm from Florida. That's cold. Yeah. And it, I, I love it up there that time of year. It's it's absolutely beautiful. Getting the shade and all that good stuff. Ah, you can't beat it. I would love to go up there. I, I've always wanted to go up there specifically just to fly fish. That'd be a good trip. Or just to fish in general. I'm not just yeah. taking the fly rod. Sorry, yeah. John. Bring a little spinning reel. A little spinning reel. <laughs> yeah. I remember one time I was up there. I'm going to catch fish is what I'm going to do. I was fishing with a spinner reel, and I caught a dang, I was probably 15 years old, caught a dang, like, foot and a half long mud puppy. Thought I had a big old trout. You know, talk about terrified when I pulled up this creature with legs. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to get back in the water anymore. <laughs> he started He started running zigzags back to the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah dang right. <laughs> yeah, another... I did it for the first time last year, and we took a guy. We did it. We hired a guy only because, you know, I like doing things myself. But sometimes it's nice to have somebody shorten the learning curve. But uh, fishing for big blue cats in South Carolina. Oh yeah, there's a couple <laughs> lakes up there where they're the man-made lakes. Um, another reason that you might want to consider using a guide is because. Uh, when they were doing this project, World War II broke out, and they had planned on logging it all and then flooding it. Well, they never got around to logging a lot of it. So you've got a whole bunch of trees that the hurricanes came through and busted them off right at the right at the Circle. waterline. Yeah, so, they, so they've so they got now channel markers out in the middle of this big, wide lake that's you know 40 feet deep thing. Why do you have to have a channel marker? That's because that's where the Army Corps of Engineers did come up and cut the trees off deeper so you can get a boat through there. But you don't know it, and there's just trees. Like, tear the lower unit off. But That's like Lake Seminole, man. If you're not in the channel and you look left or right, there's just literally you can see... Death. S- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Certain death. Because yeah. it's a stump field. Mm. Just trees sticking up, you know, a foot out of the water. Just the top of that tree. Yeah. And it's so clear. I mean, if you... You might could do it in a regular boat, but like in a mud boat, I can stop and slow down and idle like through the stump field and you look down and you just see like trees. Yeah. How deep? I don't know. I don't have a depth finder. I'm not that fancy. 80 feet. Well, I don't know. Not Seminole, but these lakes are deep. Yeah. Seminole's probably pretty deep in some spot. It's a reservoir lake. Yeah. So. Well, we were catching 
So the this guy that we went out with had a big old party barge, you know, big <clears throat> pontoon boat. Yeah. And, you know, trolling motor, but then he threw, for the most part, we were drifting, and he threw out a big a big bag behind us to, to slow us down. Trip sock. Yep, exactly. And, um, but the rig was pretty simple, man. You, you throw it out, and you, had, you, you definitely wanted to have breakaway weights. And the breakaway weights just, they hung when you... It could be like a shoelace full of um, lead shot or anything. Something would drag and like ride up over logs and stuff like that. Not get hung up in crevices. But you definitely wanted to have that because you could get hung up. And then you were dragging some kind of stink bait, you know, just a little bit off the wall, off the off the bottom. You know, set up two, three feet over that coming off of a three, uh, what do you call it, a triple, um, triple uh, swivel. Triple hook? Or no, triple, you know, oh, three, triple swivel. Yeah, triple swivel. Yeah. And you just float, and then all of a sudden your rod would go, <clears throat> and the first couple fish we brought up were you know, big channel cats. What do I mean? For channel cats, big channel cats. I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. And he's like, ah, whatever. You know, until, and somewhere, I think it's somewhere on the Under Pressure Outdoors, Robin, my buddy Jay Platt's wife, man, she caught something like 85, or maybe it was 185, I don't know, man monster blue cat like it was longer than she was tall <laughs> like holy crap man <laughs> and we we brought back a lot of catfish that day and we I, only kept the little ones because we you, we didn't kill the big one i've heard that uh freshwater catfish taste same as saltwater catfish saltwater tastes same as freshwater that's what i've heard well the heard the big sail cats eat better yeah the sail cats if you cut the bloodline out yeah I'll give it a shot. I, 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 I oh, think it's yeah. a, kind of a, I mean. It's like one of those things where you would never think about eating crow until Jim fed us crow. Right. I'll give it a shot. I think people, well, I've, I've, we've done it. Speaking we we of, did it just to, when we were up in the panhandle, we went out and bush hooked a whole bunch of freshwater catfish. Hmm. That's right. Yeah. Well, that's right. You and I say, it was the same river though. They don't, there's not as many as they used to. We were catching some fat old bullheads in there though. Yeah. We caught a lot of. Um, we were catching a lot of, of channel cats and had a bunch of them. And then we caught just off the beach, we were catching a bunch of, of, uh, sail cats and we wanted to kind of do a challenge like, all right, what's what, you know, are they good? And we actually, we also had hardhead catfish. Yeah. Yeah. Th- those taste like ammonia. Hardhead <laughs> catfish. Yeah. The, no, the, thanks. Yeah. There, there's... Not to say that you can't digest them or survive on them if you had to, but it's not a pleasant experience. So, like they're sour. They, they, you, sm- you smell ammonia and you eat them. Yeah. But not the not the sales. So speaking of being adventurous and you're eating, I'm not one to eat fish. But you that, tried sashimi. That stuff Adam whipped up there on the boat, that wasn't bad. Sashimi. And, it, that, that's- like, and I was really surprised because I was expecting like just a mouthful of fish. No, and that was not it, because literally the meat had no flavor. Well, what nothing. what kind of fish are you eating? That I mean, you. I, I said, I said, I would like to get you to explore more into fish as you've gotten older, because there's a lot of things that I didn't like as a kid that I like now. Because, and I, I think that a lot of it has to do with you ate it cooked bad or one time. You're like, this is garbage. You never want to eat it again. Well, and I'm I clearly understand that. I had like a 
rainbow trout that my grandfather caught that morning, and I didn't like it. Well, yeah, but how did he cook it? You don't. You don't. Oh, I mean, like, I'll bet if you had the skin on and you got a little mud. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. It was. I, I don't remember. It's been a while. But see, th- that didn't. that's those things. I, I encourage you as an adult to to look at those things you hated as a kid. And be like, you know what? Let me try a little bit one more time because I, yeah. I I can understand why people don't like fish and it can be pretty fishy. And I know you don't like. I've seen you eat fish sticks covered in hot sauce. Yeah, we can. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> It, it's it, it's some some of that fish I eat. I'm like, man, I don't I don't understand because it doesn't taste fishy. Yeah, it's like we even when we fried up that that snapper in that that uh, Everglades fish fry, man, that stuff was so good. It's it's good and flaky. It's not super fishy, hmm. but the the flavor is, is there. And it, like, do you eat shrimp? Yeah, I eat a little bit. But, I'm but not you, like you eat crawfish though, shrimp. and the crawfish to me all still have that kind of bit of a fishy taste to them. Yeah, a little bit, but. Yeah, That's and, what it and, is. and I think that yeah, <laughs> but I, I think that you would you would find you'd like more fish as an adult than you. Yeah, you would you. I think as an adult you would find you like fish more than you think you do. Yeah, I'll bet you. So you aside from the sashimi that um, Adam whooped up, you've never eaten sushi or sashimi before. Nope. You should go out. We should go to a good. And I prefer sashimi over sushi because sashimi is just the fish. The rice is all just filler. But really well-prepared sashimi with wasabi and soy mixture. Was that actually called sashimi? What was the other it's, one? That it's he kept sashimi. He called Ceviche. it sashimi. Ceviche, okay. When he put that recipe yeah. on Facebook, he called it something else. Pesce. That stuff. Uh, he, he, Italian thing for raw fish. So, <laughs> fresh fish, whatever. Sashimi is just raw fish seasoned or excuse me. Um a little bit of soy sauce. Oh, the other one's like else. cooked with a lime. Correct. Yeah. Okay. That's That's ceviche. Ceviche. I, I hate to say it's chemically cooked because they're not it's not like I dumped acid in there to, but it's it's fruit acid. It's limes. Citric and, acid. Yeah. It's salt. Lemon and lime. Salt. salt. It, it, it's not uh Cured basically. I don't know. Some kind of. Yeah. Some reason I feel like when I say chemically cook, I'm like, yeah, put a little Windex in there. <laughs> yeah. But that's well, not what you did. You, it's more. It's not really cooked. It's. I've probably cured. eaten plenty yeah. of food that's cured with bug spray or sunscreen. Brand. Well, but the, the whole point. <laughs> of, but the whole reason. The whole reason we cook things is to kill off nasties. Right. Yeah. yeah. But in some cases. I know the USDA says you're supposed to take them wild ducks cooked in 160. I would just not shoot them. No, no, <laughs> right? no, it's no, like, no. I, I just like eat my sandal. So, so and, and venison is just better medium raw. And I mean that wholeheartedly. Like, <laughs> That's why I like my steak. Yeah, <laughs> I like, to, man, most of the time when I'm doing whole cuts of venison, I get that cast iron roaring. Throw some olive oil in there till the thing is shimmer and just start to smoke, and then <laughs> but that, when that when that venison hits that oil, I mean it it you wouldn't want to do it without wearing a t shirt. Your right? yeah. eyes popping yeah. and sneering, and let it sit there until it just gets a crust. And I want it to cook fast on the outside, and then I'll flip it over and let it get the other crust. And while I flip it is when I throw in the butter and the herbs and the garlic, and uh, man. Depending on how thick the thing is, just a regular old, let's say, dough backstrap. I'm talking two minutes, two and a half minutes aside. That's it. 
so that the outside has got that crusty, delicious, well-seasoned, buttery bark. But the middle, cold. That's, man, I love it. And then mm. I like to use a, you know, give a shout out to Kurt Halls who runs Caribbean Seasoning Company. We still got to get him in here. I'd love to get Kurt. I just got to reach out to him, man. Um, but he's got an AP rub and a beef rub, which are APs all purpose. But they've got a, a fair amount of salt to them. And I'll go heavy with that and I'll rub it in there because I, I want to have enough on the on the venison. So that when I put it on the cutting board and let it rest. All those juices are dropping off the onto the cutting board. So when I cut it, cut it thin, almost like you're eating venison sashimi, um, I can dip it in the... the the butter and the oil and the, yeah, and the, the juice and, the, and all the seasonings in there. The ajou. Man, I'm getting hungry yeah. just thinking about it. Yeah. Ajou. It's nothing better. You could do it with steak, I'm sure. But why? You get to hunt it yourself if it's venison. You know, yeah. it's like, <laughs> Tell me I can hunt it. Yeah. So let's talk about Crocs. The preferred <clears throat> footwear of captain fishing captains everywhere, apparently. The seas were rough. We had a great time regardless. Which I think that kept a lot of people off of us. Captain Murray took uh, at least 50 gallons to the face on the way out. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> this is terrible because we lost all that great conversation about Captain Murray's frog talk jacket, the Crocs. It's nasty. It, well, it I think one of the, the trip. <laughs> other, than, other than Captain Murray taking, you know, five gallons of water to the face at a time, the sound of those snapper like when he would bring him up and he's like slap me with it he put that big old snapper on his face and you just hear <laughs> with that snapper beating his jacket at least trying to unhook it yeah that jacket was run by the end of the day man that's hey, the nice thing about this that snapper beating that thing he rinsed that sucker off at the end of the day and it looked brand new hey I'll give it to that frog dog jacket he's got me sold if that thing kept him dry after all that beating on him I'll look into some frog dog ring gear yeah. yeah. Well, you got frog talk rain gear. What do you think of it? Um, I don't know. So there's two fro- different. I, I, was, okay. I got the cheap frog talk. I would say there's two different kinds of frog talk rain gear. There's cheap frog talk rain gear and there's good, good frog talk rain gear. Yeah. There's okay. a difference. So I, I run the cheap frog talk rain gear for my light gear. It works good. And it's fantastic. You'll sweat a little bit in it. But. For it, it is for as light as it is. It's really durable. It's almost like it's like cloth or almost paper. Yeah, but it's it's pretty solid. Now, I run First Light's storm stormproof jacket or whatever. If I'm going someplace where it's going to be cold and rainy, and I'll say great things about that because both the pants and the jacket you can get away with wearing as your outer layer. That's wicked comfortable too. Both yeah. of them, different extremes. I would never try to put. I would not want to have to survive on frog tug gear where you're going to use the, the, the first light gear. And on the other hand, the first light gear is probably a little heavy for when you'd want to wear the togs. But well, the that, combination, man, because I like being dry. That's like that's like Briar's rain gear versus my rain gear. We both have natural gear rain gear, but you have the frog tog natural gear rain gear. Yeah. And I have the expensive natural gear rain gear that I paid $100 for the jacket and $100 for the pants. But that came from the fact that I bought rain gear. It's like, it'll keep you dry. No, it won't. Yeah. The, fro- no. the frog togs will keep you dry. <clears throat> not like them. Other, not, not the ones I got, though. 
I have sat there. What, well, dude? I slept in the dang boat in the rain, and I was dry the next morning. The frog tog rain gear will keep you dry. Is it as comfortable? No, I don't think so. No, because eventually the thing you run into with the frog togs, it, it, to a much much lesser extent, is the same thing you run into with a cheap Walmart poncho. Like the rain's not getting you dry, but then you just start to sweat to death in yeah, it, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because like I have a like a Jake a Drake rain jacket. I yeah. love that thing. It's it's much more comfortable than the frog togs, I think. But it's not. It's still light enough. You can wear it whenever. Yeah, I carry those uh, Walmart ponchos in my like small game bag in my hunting bag. You know, just just in case it's going to be a really cold, wet rain. Yeah, it, and then you, if I know it's going to rain for sure, and it's going to be cold, like I said, I've got big gear. But yeah, just. If it's gonna, if it's a, if it's a typical Florida rain, and I'm just going to get wet, I, I don't even get the cheap Walmart out. It's like why? You're just going to be uncomfortable. You're going to end up just as wet. <laughs> it's it's going to be because you sweat to death instead of just standing out there. You know what I found it. actually makes some of the best rain gear is if you can get a good quality poncho. If you know you're going to be sitting still, like in a climbing tree stand in your Hasmore seat, uh, you throw on a good poncho and then drape that over the outside of the climber and just kind of sit underneath it like an umbrella. Yeah. Well, going back to, that's what I, when we were in the Carolinas, no, sorry, Tennessee. Where we went. Or Kentucky, wherever you want to call it. I think we were actually hunting Tennessee. We're Tennessee, Kentucky. Depends on where we were that day. And then we had that rainy day. Um, I took my rain gear and instead of wearing it, that's what I did is I made essentially a poncho out of it. made it. I even sent you a picture. I was all tucked up underneath it. Stayed stayed quite comfy and dry. That day we were in Tennessee. We so yeah. the whole time we hunted up there, we were literally right on the state line. That was a, Tennessee and Kentucky. A terribly rainy day. Yeah. And then it got cold. Because I didn't have rain and then gear. The temperature drop. Yeah. yeah. I didn't have rain gear. So uh yeah, that was I, brutal. I did, fortunately. Mm. Well, uh, but so Drake makes a pair of bibs. I don't know if they're fully waterproof. They didn't come out and say it. It's like water resistant, I guess. But it's like they're waders. They're bibs, but it's like they're waders and you pull the insulation in and or and put it out, put it in or put it, take it out. I would like to try them. Because that would be awesome. Especially me and that I found hunting with a dog in the boat. She gets in the boat and shakes water all over you. Yeah. And then you're wet. You weren't like, it's not raining. It's this nice sunny Florida day. Yeah. And now you're wet and it's like 60 and you're like, okay, I'm a little cold now. Yeah. yeah. But if I had those, you know, and I didn't need the insulation in them, I could pull the insulation out and have, say, somewhat dry. Right. I think you and I went out five times during duck season. It didn't rain a single time. No, they didn't know. Five or six. They were, um... That first part, the, the first the first phase, and then a little bit during big duck season, there wasn't much. There really wasn't a lot of rain. Of course, those are the best days to go with that light mist rain and north wind. Mm-hmm. The wood ducks fly all day then. Well, boys, we got to wrap this on up into the tip of the week. I'm going to go ahead before Briar steals mine. I'm going to say, man, um, 
just kind of based off that trip. Don't be afraid to try something new. Dag gummy, Jordan. Nah, I mean, uh, I'll let Briar elaborate on that, but that tip gets thrown out about once every. But it's six it, shows. It, Don't try but something it's, new. But it's, but it's, it's true. Yeah, it's relevant. It, it but is. The the thing is, is like, yeah. Well, perfect example. Well. I don't want to steal any more than yours, uh, but well, the ceviche, the, the, uh, the uh, that's, that's what sashimi. I was going yeah. to say, you know, don't be afraid to try, especially like food and, you know, with your wild game and, you know, just stuff in general. Don't be afraid to try something. Try something new. You might like it. Like, that stuff is pretty good. I enjoyed that. I was like, hmm. I would, uh, I don't think I'd want a whole meal of that, but would I eat it again? Like, if he did it, we did went out and he did that again, I'd have a little bit more. It had a good spice to it. Yeah. yeah. Did do, did you get one with the pizza like pepper on it? I got some with pepper and with the onion on there. There was that what that mm. was was onion. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. The, I can't believe he he brought fresh vegetables out there just to make yeah. that. Mm. Um. That's chef man. Yeah. I'm gonna yeah, say too that. Don't and take you a know, chef if, with you. If, when if you're kind of yeah, definitely. take a chef with. If you're kind of take afraid it. to go uh, offshore because you think you might get seasick. Dramamine. Dramamine, what was the other stuff that Murray recommended? I don't know. Because it's, it, it's a non-drowsy Dramamine. Yeah. But I'll tell you this. I am one who is very susceptible to, this may make you drowsy. If it if it says on the label, this may make you drowsy, nine times out of ten, You're it going puts to me in a coma. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I took some Dramamine that morning, and I did not feel drowsy. I'll say, I can't I can't even take like NyQuil, because I'll, I already sleep hard. I'll sleep through alarms, but... um. I was honestly, because I knew it was Briar's first time, and I was honestly kind of worried about Briar, and dude, Briar handled the rough seas like a damn champ. Briar did not stop. There was a point where like, I was trying to take pictures of everybody, and I started getting a little, because I just wasn't paying attention, looking at my phone, trying to get pictures. Briar was nonstop all day, dude. Fish, 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 fish. I mean, Briar didn't even skip a beat all day. I was paying for it at the end of the day. <laughs> but, like, well, I I took Will's advice. He said, take the Dramamine the night before. So I took the Dramamine the night before before I went to bed. And I took it again that morning. And then on top of that, I'd gotten, like, a stomach bug or something. was sick up until that day. Boy, that poor deck on boat ramp toilet. Ooh, that was rough. <laughs> the morning before. That was rough. I'm like, I need to take enough. Uh, Pepto Bismol have a plug in my butt. <laughs> <laughs> Briar got the runs from going out fishing. All right, all right, all right, all right. Hard tip. We talked about rain gear. No, his was wet. Yeah, okay. Oh, but hard tip. <laughs> oh, okay. We talked about rain gear. When you got that leaky pair of uninsulated waders, or even insulated, depending on where you hunt, they start leaking. You're like, these are garbage. No, they're not. Cut the boots off of them. Mm-hmm. Makes it damn great pair of rain bibs because they they leak underwater pressure but they don't leak near as bad under raindrops Mm -hmm. and they're literally designed to keep you completely dry fair i never would have thought about that yeah cut the boots off where'd you come up with that I don't remember. I saw it somewhere. I was say, would yeah. you see it somewhere? I did, <clears throat> but I heard Briar. We talked about the you know, waiters, and I was like, Psh! "There's my tip right there. Yep. Cut the boots off your your leaky waiters. Good set of rain bibs." 
Mine's easy. Talked about earlier that especially those of us that are follically challenged on the top of our head, got to wear a hat. Follically challenged. And I was for a long time. Pressure Outdoors now has hats that we're selling. Uh, You're killing me, Brian. That's what I was going to (laughs) say is that uh, you tend to find a, for a long time was a gentleman that would buy a hat that I liked and I'd wear that hat out until it was a legendary hat, right? But you get used to it and also you realize that hat doesn't necessarily go with various outfits in different situations. So you got to have multiple colors of hats. So UPO happens to have a fine selection of different colored hats that you can wear. Like Jordan was sporting the seafoam green, which was ideal for a day out on the fishing. Right? Today you're wearing a more laid back. It's olive. You know. Yeah. And, olive uh, green. Not today's got gray on, but. Uh, no, that's that's, that's yeah, olive green. That's olive. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's bad. olive and uh, tan. Well, olive and white. Sorry. That's my eyes are going. It's kind of a tannish white. Yeah, it's tan. If you look at the white on my hat, it's it's tan. Well, we now we now have a, we have a dress black hat for formal Eggshell. occasions. You can wear with your dress T-shirt, dude. And let me oh go ahead, Jim. Tuxedo T-shirt. I'll add yeah. yours at the end. Exactly. So that's the whole point, man. Is uh, you know you don't have to have under pressure outdoor hats, except you'd be a lot cooler if you did. Um, but have a fine set of you don't you don't just have one set of T-shirts, right? So you got a fine set of hats too. That's fashion tip. I'm yeah. wearing. I'm actually wearing my um, my good one. Let He's me tell got, you, Briar's got the old the one, Y'all, one uh, multicam. There's yeah. a lot of people, and I've heard it so many times. Richardson, Richardson, Richardson. People are like, man, these are the best hats. I like the game. The, man, these that, game hats that Yupong hat I got. No, dude. Well, you're wearing a Yupong right now. Yeah, that is. No, a, the, you're the wearing one. a Yupong. The yeah. no, you are wearing a Yupong yeah, hat right now. I understand. Yeah. The brown and, and and black one. The yeah. That sucker's tough. I have, but let me tell you, the game hats, these new ones that we got, because hats have been so whack and, you know, nobody has stock, but the game's been pretty great about having stock. I've never felt a hat that, like, the inner piece, like, the it's at soft. the bottom. Yeah, it's soft, man. Yeah. God, these hats are comfortable. I, sometimes a hat will, like, kind of wear into my head. Yeah. After I wear it for so long, but dude, these hats are so soft. I love them. They fit great. And surprisingly, because they'll fit a head like you, and then they'll fit a head like me and Will. Yeah. And you know, if we took our hats off right now and put them on your head, they'd rattle around like little kid wearing, <laughs> wearing a derby or something. You know. You know what's funny is we went to uh, to our hat guy about that. Um, I was like, hey, before we buy these hats, I need to try them on. So he tried them on his head, and then I tried the same hat on mine to make sure it would fit both sizes. And these hats are truly more of a one-size-fits-all. Because I, I have some Richardsons, and they are on literally on the last button. And I have them glued together so they don't come undone while I wear them. But these, these the game hats, they, they fit better than the Richardsons. They're a little bigger, um, but they're comfortable. It was all get out. I have a, a – mine is light blue and white. And then Jordan's is olive and tan, and Jim's is black and white, and uh, Briar's wearing one of the older styles that's multicam and tan. So you got to get some more of those multicams in. Yeah. I wear the multicam hat every day at work. Yeah, I wear, my, I wear that uh, a lot, too. I, I wear, I've worn my other one so much, it, as Jim would say, it's now legendary. Yeah, but. I have one of those. Leg- the, the, <laughs> the, the, the original brown and black, and it's, yeah. it's legendary, it's too. It's now legendary. 
Yeah, it's more of a tan and gray. But I am going to a wedding this weekend, and I think uh, I need to get me one of them black and yeah. whites. You need to buy a uh, new hat. What that's call a good looking. Teal? That's, uh, that's a blue. Neon blue? No, yeah, bright uh, blue. It's bright, man. That's it's, not, a, it's not teal. Man, that's teal's a, a little bold more hat. But like you know what? Way. We also have the, the the uh, what do you call my pants right here? Like a seafoam sea green. green. Sea we have yeah. a seafoam green That's what he was white. talking about. Yeah. A pink and white. Pink one. A pink salmon. for all the ladies, yeah. yeah. We got pink. We also have a salmon color in white. Um, there's, there's, man, there's so many colors. There is a, tr- a true gray and white in there. And... Uh, uh, and a tan. There's just we have a lot of colors. We don't have camouflage right now, but we have a lot of the the other colors. They match great for summer. We have the summertime hats. Well, yeah. and, and our crew, it ain't like everybody we know has how many camouflage hats in their collection of some kind. They have a bunch. Yeah, a few. How many of them get seafoam? But the the fish, right? And there's an awful lot of ladies that would prefer something other than. Slate gray or camo. Yeah, you want to take your lady out for a nice dinner. You got to put on a little nicer hat than the regular old yeah, uh, camouflage that's you, hat. That's why you yeah. sport the one that Jim's got, the, the oh, black and white. The, the formal dress black hat. Yeah. yeah. Or, dude. I like that. The, the I need sea, one of those. Yeah. The seafoam and the coral go great with Columbia's. They do. Yeah. Man. Yeah, you look sharp, man. When I looked at the seafoam green hat originally, I was like, eh. Then when I saw you wearing it, I was like, all right. Good, yeah. looking, good looking lid. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, I had to get a. Uh, Sorry, I interrupted. I My wife's to the point up. where she tells me which hat I should wear with what I'm going to go out in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, like you should wear this hat. Okay. I had, to, I had to get the olive one though. My boss told me the other day when I wore my seafoam one in that uh, I walked in the the front door of the office. He's like, "It's a nice hat." I was like, oh, "I appreciate it." He said, "For a gay guy." That's <laughs> 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 asshole. He's telling that all his taste is all his taste is in his mouth. Ugh. All of his taste is in his mouth. No. <laughs> well, we'll go ahead and end it on that note. Before we let you go, though, hey, we got buy your hats, buy your crawfish tickets. Yeah. Right at the crawfish hey, bowl, we're doing that. By the way, fishing trip. Um, buy your crawfish tickets. Yeah, we should probably delineate. Buy the crawfish tickets. It's a good time, but we're just trying to get you out there, so then you can also take advantage of other cool things to support the charity. Uh, when you buy the hats, you're actually supporting us. We'll end up buying more podcast gear or, well, we'll end up giving them money away too. But <laughs> that's down the line. Eventually, but, what what happens with that money it all goes, it turns into uh, another event that gives back to somebody else. Yeah. And we charge you less because we have more money. Yeah, we're never really going to get around to yeah. all the gold leaf we keep talking about putting in here. But. It would look nice. Yeah. But I don't know that it'd match the wood. Hmm. We'll give it a shot. Maybe, maybe we get a, a, a deer head like laced in gold leaf and put it in here somewhere. You're telling me <laughs> I can't use the podcast money to buy a Cuban link chain? I mean, you could. Somewhere out there, <laughs> there's got to be a billionaire that just really likes knocking around redneck hunting. We we'll, just we'll got to find him or her. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. One of the Trumps has a podcast. But, you know, he's competition. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, we'll catch you guys next week.